Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, August 4th, 2020, and today we are reading from the Big Books of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are at page Roman numeral XXVII, Roman numeral 27, reading the first paragraph starting with the doctor writes through five paragraphs ending in outside our synthetic knowledge commenting on all five paragraphs. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Team Tuesday, Allison L., Martha Z., Leah F., on the 12 steps, Way W., the traditions, Kathy W., and our newcomer greeter, Mary B., and host, Leslie M., of the second hour. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, August 3rd, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 15,093. That's 15093. And 10 a.m., 15,094. 15094. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and health, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Way W. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Way. Good morning. This is Way W., a recovered and recovering compulsive overeater from China. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted. 11, saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you so much, Hui. And now I'm going to ask Kathy W. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Kathy. Thank you. Um, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films, and television and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you so much, Kathy. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Uh, If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press the star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And try to avoid uh, speaker phones, please. 
Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on Roman numeral 27, the first paragraph, starting with the doctor writes through five paragraphs commenting on all. And I'm going to ask Allison L. to get us started. Go ahead, Allison. Great. Thank you so much for your service. The doctor writes, The subject presented in this book seems to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. I say this after many years' experience as medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcoholic and drug addiction. There was, therefore, a real sense of satisfaction when I was asked to contribute a few words on a subject which is covered in such masterly detail in these pages. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception, what with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. Good morning, everyone. I'm Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Um, so these paragraphs this morning, um, what I see is this doctor is an expert in his field of helping alcoholics, and he sees the problem. He goes later on in this letter, talks about what the problem is that he sees, and yet even knowing the problem, he's stating clearly here that he, nor medicine, nor science, are able to solve this problem, um, and yet he's satisfied to support the instructions in this book, um, which is written by alcoholics who who have experienced a spiritual awakening, um, which, you know, moral psychology, I believe, is spiritual awakening. um, And that led to their recovery, and he's supporting what they're writing here. So all those decades ago there, when this book was written and he was working in the hospital, there was no solution for people like me, um, no solution for my addiction, other than what's been skillfully written and specifically outlined here in this book. And and still today, there's no doctor and no pill, no product, potion, no powder um, that's going to keep me from compulsively eating. Um, and it's not going to, nothing synthetic to keep me from that state of of not truly living. Because um, when I'm in the food, I, I desperately want to love my people and connect with others and and I was never fully able to, and certainly I was never able to sustain it. Um, I, I lived as a food zombie or a diet-crazed lunatic, and and yet there is a power of good that's not man-made, not artificial, um, and that power is greater than me, and I get in touch with it by following the detailed um, path that we're studying here step-by-step, step. and I, I have to do so while I'm clean and abstinent and and by doing so now, I'm able to live an awakened life and be connected to this great higher power that's not fabricated in a lab. Um, and, and doing that, it takes grit and honesty um, and action and, and the continued you know, sharing of what's been given to me um, so that I can help others awaken, um, play my part in that as my higher power guides. So that, um, you know, others, anyone that wants it, um, anyone here today, anyone out there who doesn't even know yet, um, anyone's available, able to um, have connection, this higher power, the freedom um, that this book promises. And, um, you know, it talks about the power of good outside of synthetic knowledge. And I'll say that there was a time when I wondered how a good 
higher power would want to take away my food. And I, I had to try it for myself to experience it for myself to know that the instructions work and I can live and, and keep sharing and growing with God one day at a time and with all of you. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Allison. Okay, so we're going to open it up for sharing. And although we love hearing from everyone, we appreciate you holding off if you've shared on Monday or Friday so that others may have an opportunity to share their experience, strength, and hope. So who else would like to share on what was read? This is Larry Kay. Larry? Larry? Leah? Vicky V. Vicky, did you say? Yes, Vicky V from New York. Vicky V, okay. Luby. Kelly Q. Kelly Q. Luby. All right, I got Luby. I got Kelly Q. Who else is that? Laurel B. Laurel. Laurel B. I'll take one more. Okay. Well, that's a great group. Larry K, Leah S, Vicki B, Lou B, Kelly Q, and Laurel B. All right. Larry, you're up. Please go ahead. Oh, okay. Thanks, Amy. Good morning. Larry K, recovered uh, in Chicago. You know, one of the most difficult things to do is admit that we are powerless when our our pride you know, my pride convinces me that I'm, I'm the center of the universe <laughs> and, and that, in fact, um, I have the power that, you know, to manage and, and, and direct my life. And that's the very reason that most people will not do the work required for a successful consummation. I, I wouldn't. And, you know, if I think about the unmanageability, um, it had nothing to do with the food. It had nothing to do with my upbringing, my my spouse, my the hatred of my body, my inability to save money, no external thing. And you know, this is of paramount importance. This what what you know what Bill learned here. Rather, it has to do with our brokenness as a part of the human condition. It has to do with my separation from God, and in trying to be the master of my destiny. You know, my perception somehow got warped along the way. I, I have a spiritual malady. And the, the 12 steps gives us a new pair of glasses in which to see. So one of the paradoxes that so many um, it has to do with taking responsibility, even though I'm powerless, yeah, I have to choose to put the food down. And even though I'm powerless, I, I can choose to pick up the spiritual toolkit and follow the instructions, follow this instruction manual. And it's going to create a change in me, even though I cannot see what I cannot see. And even though I cannot know what I do not know, I, I trust the process. And I often thought if there, if there was like magically a person called, you know, the practical program of action and, and, and she could sit down with me, she'd probably say, you know, I, I don't give a lick if you don't believe in me. Because the truth is my effectiveness has nothing to do with your belief in me. My effectiveness is only dependent on whether, uh, whether upon whether or not you follow me exactly the way I'm written in this book called Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, I, I know that because your words have not been congruent with your actions. So if you follow me, you will cross this bridge to freedom. You, you, you follow your pride and you're going to stay stuck in the quicksand of this disease. 
And my process is pretty simple, but laying down your pride is hard. Laying down your desire to intellectualize this process hard. Laying down control, very difficult. Being courageous in the face of fear, very difficult. But the product of spiritual transformation is a change, and it's done to us, not by us. We row our boat, but the, cha the change is done to us, not by us. And you're going to have a new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes when, when you've completed the process. And it's not an intellectual, prideful process either. But, um, but you know, we can't, we can, you know, he, I'll wrap up with this, Amy. Silkworth said, you know, our synthetic knowledge. You know, I could probably help someone with, with uh, you know, to, to, to stop eating the food with my synthetic knowledge. I just have never helped anyone of the hopeless variety stay stopped. You have to apply the, uh, the, the process to access power. And when you do, you'll be transformed. You'll cross the bridge to freedom. With that, I pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much, Larry Kay. Leah S., it is your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, Amy. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Leah S., recovered in Brooklyn. And thank you, God. Wow, what a paragraph. Very powerful. The entire chapter is so important. I don't I just don't know how to anyway, um what identifies me as a compulsive overeater? The urgency of the compulsive overeater that brings me to 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 come back here and to listen to it. It's really, really mysterious. It's called like a double whammy. You know, if I if I if I go on a diet, I can't stay on the diet. And if I eat, and I promise myself that I'm not going to eat, I go and I eat again. It's just beyond the most experienced and the most profound doctor in those times, and that was Doctor Silkworth. It's beyond the conception. So, you know, whatever it is, you know, more than half my life I've been fighting this disease all the time. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to listen to you. And that's part of the spiritual experience that I'm experiencing. That I'm just going to follow it step by step, very tiny steps, and I'm going to do it because I'm going to stick to the positivity of this program. There's so much negative out there. There's so much addiction, drug addiction. You call it narcotics addiction. Addiction. I'm sorry. You call it whatever you call it. One thing is for sure. I need the positivity. I need that freedom that I hear. I need that sense of tranquility that I hear. And I know I can get it. I have that hope because in this book there is so many so many depths of where people have really, really um, taken them, have not by themselves, have taken themselves out of it and on this line. And in myself, there are so many issues and, and situations that I have come out of that it is unbelievable. And that's part of the step by step. That's all it took, step by step. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Okay. Vicki V, your turn. Good morning. Thank you so much uh, for hearing me this morning and for allowing me to share. 
there's no coincidence that while working a program of relationships for the last, well, for 10 years, I was still restless, irritable, and discontent. That program taught me to love myself through the eyes of a higher power that was greater than me, but also taught me that it was okay to eat because I had to learn how to love myself for the good and the bad. However, the big book says that abstinence is a tool to recovery in this program. And when I found the God of my understanding in this program, he showed me that food was not my answer. It was my solution to everything that was wrong in my life. And I did not realize that. I didn't realize that it was selfish and self-centered. I was actually upset at everybody who kept saying that to me because in that other program, I was learning to be a better person. And everybody I knew knew I was a better person. So what's wrong? Why is this happening to me? By loving me um, the way he did, my higher power brought me to my knees again in powerlessness and awareness that my life was unmanageable again. Abstinence was the last tool, but also the first tool that showed me I needed a new higher power that could care about me enough to warn me from inside through humility as I put that food in my mouth. What I put into my body and how important it was for self-care, healthy relationships, and emotional recovery. By working with others today, I can remember the pain of that powerlessness. And for that, I am incredibly grateful. Thank you for letting me share today, and thank you all for being here. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Vicki. Vicki? All right, Lou B., it is your three minutes. Go on ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Lou B. from Texas, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So um, the first word that jumped out to me in this paragraph is paramount. Um, I didn't look it up, but I know that it means extremely important, and it is extremely important to me, um, the, the subject of this book, that is, um, because I am a compulsive overeater of the healthiest variety, and no other place in my life have I you know, found the solution until I, until I came here. Um, the next words that jump out to me are masterly detail. And, you know, all my life I've been looking for a higher power and I've been looking for someone to just tell me what the heck to do. You know, if you would just tell me what to do, I'm a good soldier. I'll follow your directions. Just tell me what to do. But nowhere has anyone ever been able to tell me what to do until I found this book. In this way of life, um, moral psychology are the next words that I that I underlined. Um, you know, I have a threefold disease: a spiritual disease, emotional disease, and a physical disease. And um, I, the only solution for me is a spiritual solution. And through that spiritual solution, my morality is affected. And the way that I live today is affected. You know, I live with from a place of um, abundance and uh, generosity and thoughts of other people and understanding and, you know, an, an, a, a, a desire to understand other people's honesty, uh, courage, acceptance, tolerance, joy, <laughs> and gratitude. You know, those are, those are the... I guess the elements I would say of my moral psychology, the way that I think today, you know, I think about, I think about those things and those are the, 
the concepts that drive my my thought life. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have those before I got here. But when I got here, I had self-pity and dishonesty and self-centeredness and, um, you know, a, a desire to control others instead of understand them and, and a desire to be understood, you know, listen to me, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about, that type of thing. And then, and then finally, um, powers of good I underlined, and you know, um, no medical person can 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 cure me, can change me, can can help me recover. But but the powers of good um, have, you know, and and this meeting, um, you guys on this team, on this uh, call, and in this fellowship, and in this you know this program. Um, these are the powers of good. And, you know, I've heard some time. Okay. All right. I'll close with that. Thanks a lot. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lou. Okay, Kelly, it's your time. Did you say Kelly? I did. Kelly. Please go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, this is my first time in the live A Vision for You meeting, so I'm thrilled beyond words to be here. Um, Welcome. I was bl- I was blessed with um, receiving a phone call after attending a meeting for someone who is rooted in this uh, form of um, treatment for um, addiction, food addiction. And I had definitely reached a hopeless state of mind and body. And I've been there. I've been using food for probably 40 years uh, to survive and function. And, um, this is my third time in OA, and I, I have to thank COVID because if it weren't for COVID, I would have would not have been reaching out to all these Zoom meetings that are now available, and and also finally being introduced to a vision for you, and re, receiving a new sponsor who has is taking me step by step through this book, and as far as this page today, he says. I love this. These words are jumping off the page to me that he says after many years of experience as the medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcohol and drug addiction, he was treating this addiction in the early, early years. And he could find no answer until, and he saw this with a real sense of real satisfaction he was asked to even contribute a few words on the subject, which is covered in such masterly detail on these pages. And for me, the masterly detail and to me, the divinely inspired uh, work here is giving me what I need finally to um, manage and become a recovered addict and I can't say I'm recovered yet because I'm just a baby and studying this part of it but I'm so grateful and I'm so grateful for my new sponsor who is is just rooted in this and for all of you and I'm excited for the spiritual experience which is what I say think that the moral psychology means and um I am so eager and just like motivated to 
work on this and continue to do the steps, I heard something as if my hair were on fire. And that's the way I'm approaching this right now. And I'm just very excited. And with that, I pass. And I thank you all for your service and for being here and for your beautiful shares. Pass. Thank you so much, Kelly. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay. So we're going to have Laurel B. share here, and after Laurel, we're going to take some more names. So Laurel, please go ahead. Hi, this is Laurel, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for your service. I just thought Dr. Silkworth here is talking about reliance on God as an alternative to psychology and medicine. I think before Alcoholics Anonymous, very few people survived alcoholism. They either killed themselves in a drunken accident or spiraled into insanity and died slowly. But as this relates to food, I believe all other strategies employed other than OA seem to be temporary. Even people who are highly publicized and are endorsing this plan or that plan, their success seems to be really temporary. The results may be good early on, but eventually they're back into the food like I was. And I I just know within myself, without the involvement of a higher power, it would be impossible for me to overcome my addiction. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Laurel. Okay, great. Okay, so we are on Roman numeral 27, XXVII, first paragraph of that page, going through five paragraphs. Who else would like to share on what was read? Christina J. Carol R. Christina J. Carol R. There was someone before Carol. Who was that? Stephen G. Stephen G. Anita L. Anita. You can take a few more. Don't be shy. Okay. Oh, we still have a great group right here. We have Chris, Christina Kristen J. Kristen H. Oh, uh, Kristen H. No, you're fine. Kristen H. Yes. Okay, got it. All right, well, we'll go with that. Christina J., Carol R., Stephen G., Anita L., and Christine H. Okay, Christina, you're up. Please go ahead. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone on the line. Christina J. from the state of Washington here. Um, uh, Synthetic knowledge. I went to so many doctors. I took so many pills. took so many different diet programs. Um that were based on synthetic knowledge, you know, preformed shakes and bars and this and that and the other, hypnotic people that did hypnosis, um, therapy, crying in doctor's offices, um, and then I was always back in the food. And the thing that just blows my mind is that I had a spiritual relationship all my life with God, or so I thought. Um, I had great moments with the God of my understanding. I, I went to many churches since I was a small child. I felt myself to be very spiritual, and yet here was this thing that I could not control. Um, and I never, it was just so bizarre, you know, I never thought of taking it to God. It's just, 
it blows my mind when I think of that, that I never thought of taking it to God. Uh, I never took it to prayer. Um, I journaled my head off. I mean, I have journals and journals and journals, and I kind of have an aversion to journaling today because I journaled so much about my addiction back then. But um, today it's not about journaling about my addictions, um, and it's not about going to doctors anymore. I, when I got into this program in 2014, you know, I walked through it with a with very wonderful sponsor, and I still didn't get it. I didn't get the moral psychology. I didn't get um, powers of good uh, outside our synthetic knowledge. I just couldn't get it. I, I still thought that I had a great spiritual connection and running by the seat of my pants, and I got into um, overeating my uh, abstinent foods for comfort and, you know, didn't think anything was wrong with that. I just exercised more. I mean, what a load of BS that I didn't really realize I was living in. Today I know that without moral psychology, without a connection to something that's better than the food, I don't have a chance in hell. I do not have a chance in hell because I am a restless, irritable, discontent person on a normal basis. I, I'm like Jim. I was born with that nervous disposition. I just have it. I'm driven by a hundred forms of fear and all those things. And unless I have a higher power to take that to, unless I have fellows on the line, a God squad that I can call and do ten steps with and talk through these things, I'm just a basket case. And you know, you can't believe how much talking to someone and working a ten step works. And I don't care if you got to do, well, for me, Sometimes I've had to do 10 steps on one thing over and over and over. Uh, we're not to that point yet. But what I'm saying is we process these things through the steps, through the tools, and we get relief, we get satisfaction, and we get to that spiritual connection, that personal relationship with something bigger than ourselves. It's very, very personal. So hang in there. Uh, if you're just new, get through the steps and work towards that spiritual um, awakening, and this is going to be the same thing that saves your ass. <laughs> At least it did for me. Thank you. Thanks, Christina. Okay, Carol R., you're up. Hi, I'm Carol R. from New Jersey, and I've been listening for a while, but uh, I think this is the first time I've ever shared. Um, and I started listening when I was... Uh, thank you. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to... Uh, I forgot to say that. Thank you for your service today, and thank you for everybody on the line. Um, when I first came to the program, I tried a vision for you because somebody had mentioned it and it was too much for me. I wasn't going to meetings that did the big book. I was going to newcomer meetings that uh, focused on the tools. And uh, so I first started to read the big book and I, it just confused me completely. Um, but this paragraph, um, it, it's powerful. Uh, we doctors have realized for a long time that some type, uh, some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. I know the word moral. I know the word psychology. I looked them both up, and I didn't quite understand what moral psychology is. So I asked someone uh, in program uh, who I was going to another book with, and she took me all the way back to ancient Greece um, that Plato had talked about this, to know the good is to do the good. And uh, then later on, I learned that this is spiritual awakening and to meet spiritual experiences. 
I did not come into program believing this was a spiritual problem because I had a lack of spirituality, um, which I've since gained. Um, I am in recovery. I am not recovered yet. I never went through all of the uh, steps. I got to step 10 and got very, very lazy. and didn't see why I had to do that. And now I see quite the opposite. Um, but um, to do the good is to know the good. I just need to backwards. To know the good is to do the good. That's strong. Um, and there's a big book dictionary um, that I bought a couple of years ago. Um, Moral psychology. Uh, just to find it through um, psychology. Psychology is science that deals with the mental processes and behavior. Therefore, a moral psychology is dealing with mental behavior processes using principles of morality or principles of conforming to the standard behavior, character, right or wrong, and good and bad conduct. Well, my eating didn't fall into something I understood in, in those terms. Um, I was using all the synthetic knowledge of the previous speaker you know, talked about, going to the doctors, reading diet books. Oh, th thank you very much. I'll pass. Welcome, Carol. Thank you for sharing. Okay, Stephen G. Your, it's your turn, Stephen. Please go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I'm Stephen G. I'm a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto. Thank you for your service. I'm grateful to be on the meeting today. Uh, in this paragraph, in this chapter, Dr. Silkworth is basically going to present uh, the foundation of the nature of the disease, the allergy of the body, and the obsession of the mind. So it's explaining to me why I'm doomed. But before he does that, he's basically telling me what his qualifications are. And he's explaining to me his own lack of power. So he's saying here he's been a doctor for many years in a hospital working with people with addiction. So quite apart from hearing the story of Bill Wilson, we're hearing the story of a non-alcoholic witness to the powerlessness, not just of his patients, but of himself and his professional community in being able to help people with addiction. And he's summing up for, for us basically the sum total of human power in solving this problem is nil. And I'd come to learn before I got to vision for you, the sum total of me applying my human power to my addiction was nil. But suddenly for him, after thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of patients, which he's unable to help, something new has, has happened. And he's seen something that is completely novel to him which he says here in this first sentence, is something has come of paramount importance. Then he goes on to give us various descriptions of human power that simply haven't worked. You know, we doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology, some form of higher power was of urgent importance to alcoholics. And then again he says, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception, beyond our human powers. What with our ultra-modern standards, again, human powers, our scientific approach to everything, human powers, or perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good to create the effect of a higher power that lie outside our synthetic knowledge, again, our human power. 
And what I found was when I followed these simple steps of getting access to this higher power, and it wasn't a passive effort, it required me to be completely devastated and then be willing to take very simple steps, simple actions. I was able to have a spiritual experience that got rid of this mental obsession, and I was willing uh, to, uh, to deal with the allergy of the body, which is complete abstinence. And when I did that, I was able to recover. And so Sinkworth is doing a very important thing. He's telling us that, number one, we are powerless. He's going to explain why. But number two, uh, human intelligence um, and the entire profession that's devoted its human intelligence to this particular problem has no solution. But suddenly he's seeing an amazing solution, and he has to tell people about it. Thank you very much. The timing. Okay, thank you so much, Stephen. Okay, Anita L., your turn. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, it's funny how things work. Um, when it, uh, Amy said that uh, we were going to read the part beginning with the Dr. Wright, so I knew what came next. I didn't have my book in front of me at that point. And I thought to myself, oh, I won't want to share on this. And look, here I am on the line. So it's definitely not coming from me. It's my higher power giving me a little nudge to share what I feel may help others. And um, what I wanted to say is uh, I am experiencing, and Right before this meeting, I experienced a miracle of power greater than myself coming into me because I was willing to sit and be still and allow my higher power to come in and to take that time out, which I'll tell you guys, I've been in this program for decades, and I just fight the meditation part tooth and nail. I just I just always have my stubbornness, you know. Well, I've been experiencing such a different recovery, such a different spiritual awakening this time around. Uh, I've had many relapses through the years. And um, a few years ago when, when I had a uh, sponsor who is on this line, probably listening this morning, she said to me, you know, what happened two weeks ago, two weeks before you took that first bite? Because that's when the whole thing started. And I looked at a calendar. I was actually able to see what it was. And she was right. It's that buildup of human emotion. And finally, I couldn't take it because I didn't go to my power greater than myself for help and recovery and and asking God to carry me, my higher power, my sunlight of my spirit and my soul. So anyway, what I I really want to profess is that um, when I finished step 10, I just recently worked the steps again, all 12, and when I got To the end of step 10, my sponsor said, okay, I'd like you to join this 10-step train, and every day you'll call a partner, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I fought that. And finally, I I surrendered. 
and I've been doing it for over two months now. And it has added so much to my program. Oh, darn. But this, okay, I just want to share this one real important thing. On Thursday, I said to my sponsor, I feel like I need to do more with my meditation. And she shared something else with me. And since Saturday, when I attended a meditation workshop, I've been doing a meditation twice a day for 20 minutes. And this morning before the meeting, I said to a woman who I do it with over the phone, she lives in New York and I'm in Philadelphia, uh, I really feel my higher power within me this morning, my whole being. And that is what is bringing me above and beyond my need to try and control because it must come from a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Christine H., it's your turn. Sorry, hi. Hi, this is Kristen H. You called me, right? Kristen, I beg your pardon. Yes, Kristen, please go okay. ahead. Okay, hi. This is Kristen H. from Houston, Texas, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I, um, When I came in, I really bristled at the word um, uh, moral psychology, uh, you know, I came in without any faith, without, I was, you know, I was an atheist and I didn't like this notion of, of morals being imposed upon me. But as I went through it, I came to understand better what it actually meant. And I think one of the biggest things that I, I always am struck by and that I emphasize with sponsees is that only one of the steps says food. All the rest of them are about connecting with your higher power and cleaning out, you know, your um, cleaning out the cleaning house and with your resentments and your fears. And so the problem with um, all of the, you know, scientific um, programs is that, you know, they're all about food and the food is a symptom and the weight is a symptom of my real problem. And so for me, when I'm working with my sponsor or my sponsees, the food is, you know, something that we talk about, but it's not the focus because that's not where the solution lies. If the solution lied in messing with my food or perfecting my food, you know, then I would have figured it out. But that's not where my problem is, and the steps are really clear about that. And so that's what I think when I see moral psychology, that's kind of what I what I think about is that, um, yes, I had a problem with food, but any more than if I have you know, a broken toe, smashing it more isn't going to fix it. Talking about food more isn't what's going to fix it. I put it in its place, I make sure it's taken care of, and then I take the steps to fix what my real problem is, which is my, you know, inability and unwillingness and and lack of tools for dealing with, with my actual life. And I think that's really so important, and I think that's what Dr. Silkworth is getting at, that when they're when you're addressing you know a problem and you're only focusing on the symptom you know rather than getting to the root of the problem you're not going to be able to fix it and in my example of a broken toe you know you got to you do have to you know put a cast on the toe and and not walk on it but keeping messing with the toe like if you keep fiddling with it that's not going to fix it either 
And so I I just really love this. Even though it's a short introduction, um, I feel like it has a lot less meat than the rest of the doctor's opinion. I think it's a really important introduction to the concept of the steps that, you know, yes, you have this problem. Yes, you're here because you want this problem solved. But the solution isn't lying in that problem. It's the solution is lying in the rest of your life. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Christy. Kristen? Okay, so we have time for probably two shares. So who would like to share on what was read? This is Vivian. Vivian? Yes. Yes, Linda D. Linda B. Okay. Vivian, what's the initial again, T? Vivian M. Oh, M. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, so Vivian M and Linda B are going to take us out. Go ahead, Vivian. Hi, I'm Vivian M. I'm from Vermont. I'm a very grateful compulsive overeater. And uh, thank you all for being there and for your service. Um, It's really interesting. I just went through a doctor's opinion with somebody the other day. And every time I go through it, it's it's amazing. The repetitiveness of the program is so what I need because I have such such, uh, memory lapses, you know, selective memory. And I don't remember what I need to remember because I'm a self-willed addict. And uh, that's the nature of who I am. That's the core of who I am. But I can be in recovery, and I can recover from this. And when I read this um, again and dissected it and really, really went through it, I realized that Dr. Silkworth is a renowned doctor. Uh, They go about saying his credentials and what he knows about alcohols and a litany of things. And um, doctors, uh, particularly back then and as well now, always revered for what they know and how they can, you know, they know they've studied and know what, what it is that can help us. And my whole life being so self-willed and wanting what I want when I want it, um, I've always wanted to do whatever I wanted to do and then go someplace and have somebody fix me. And when I'm hearing about this, this doctors cannot fix what I have. They can be renowned, they can have experience, they can have observations. And the beauty of this is that Dr. Silkworth was humbled enough. The humility was so amazing. This this doctor's opinion was the hook for me to realize, even though I can't have somebody else fix me, as I've always wanted people to do before, um, I I can be humble enough. And there is a solution for me somehow even though I can't go to somebody for that solution and say, okay, here I am. I still want what I want. Tell me what it is I need to do. Fix me for a while, and then I can go back and do it again because you'll always be there to fix me again. And here I'm being told I can't be fixed by any human power, and that's all I've ever gone to before while I was always believing in what I thought was the God of my understanding. So that always that has changed for me dramatically, and this this doctor's opinion, as I said before, was the hook for me to say, I don't know what this is about, but whatever it is, I want more. I want to at least find out more about it. And the more I found out, the more I was humbled and the more I saw the recovery and the more I believed it and the more I started to say, "This can, I, I too can have this miracle. With that, I share. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vivian. Okay. Uh, Linda D., it is your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning, Amy. Linda D. in Connecticut. Hi, everyone. As someone said, hi, everyone. 
I'm uh, I'm here this morning because I was just directed to pick up the phone. I didn't intend to share. I'm very moved by what I've heard today. I am every day, but especially today. I'm going to make it as simple as I can. I came, of course, to lose the weight, and I lost a great deal of it, and I've kept it off, and I'm recovered several years. But I woke up today with such a gratitude for the presence of God in my life, and that came directly from those steps and from the higher power. So what, right? It happened to me. Can it happen to you? It certainly can. I was an atheist. This power had to show up and has to show up every single minute of every single day. And I can get confused and be faced with a huge problem. And I've had lots of those lately. And one just throttled me yesterday, late at night, and threatened me my sanity. And um, because I can turn to that power, and that power is within the very last place I ever thought to look. So I'm reminded today, this has nothing to do with intellect. It's not an irrational situation that I'm in. I mean, I'm not saying intellect or crazy stuff. It has to do with intuition. And it's within... And it's a sure guide if I can hear it. So I must be clean of the foods that are poisoning me. And I must be obedient. Now that's a word I don't like. All it means is surrender to love. Walk out of the fear, or through the fear rather, and surrender to love. And I have to be able to hear it. And I need a tribe to help me. And you are my tribe. And the steps are the guide to that inner core that is always able and willing to guide me to safety, whatever the situation. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Linda. Okay, we actually have time for two-minute share. Who would like to take that? Don't be shy. I'm sure there's someone out there. This is Priscilla. I'd like to share. Let's, oh, shoot. All right, Priscilla. Go ahead. Recovering in New Jersey. Um, I hope I can say what I need to say in two minutes. This is, I love this um, reading today, and I particularly love the phrase alcoholic addiction and drug addiction. Um, I want to tell about a time when, in my uh, the last job of my career for several years, I took a van load of clients once a week to um, a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and I loved Narcotics Anonymous. I'm not bringing that up as an outside issue, um, but as an issue about my own addiction. I would practice my addiction en route to... Um, well, really, after taking the clients home from that meeting, because my employer provided snacks for the clients, uh, the meeting came right at their supper time. So they had, 
I had a van load of snacks for them, and after I would drop the last client off, I would eat the rest of the snacks. I didn't want to do that. I would Every week I would say to myself, I'm not going to do that this week. I'm just going to take the snacks back to the office. But I would do it. But I believe that my higher power that I call my BFF put me in that job because I learned a lot about addiction. I also um, went to an OA meeting once a week, but I didn't get any physical recovery during that period through that OA meeting. I didn't really know what recovery would be, but I knew that um, I knew about abstinence because I had had long periods of abstinence, years even, on various diets and food plans, and I thought that that was, I didn't know the difference between abstinence for me and recovery for me. Today I know a lot. I'm sorry, that's time. Okay, thank you. to wrap up, that's time. Thanks for letting me share. Um, Today I know that I'm never cured. Addiction is never cured, only arrested. And it, for me, it has to be arrested through uh, working the steps, including trying to help others along the way, not to save them, but to save myself. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Priscilla. Okay, I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following. The share ID for today, Tuesday, August 4, 2020, is 15,099. That's 15099. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Martha Z. please read a vision for you? Go ahead, Martha. Thanks, Amy, for your service. This is Martha C. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered uh, by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.